0: Welcome to the Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. I am Chad Milman. We are deep in the heart of the NBA playoffs. The semifinals for the conference tournaments have started. We got Atlanta and Philly. We got the Nets and the Bucks. We got the Clippers playing the Jazz. We got the Nuggets playing the Suns. All of the series have started as we record this, except for the Clippers and the Jazz. We're going to have Chris Maddox, the newest member of the Volume Podcast Network coming on in a minute, but first let me introduce my BFF, my companion, professional better Simon Hunter. My man.
1: Chad buddy. It's an exciting day. We get to drive I get to drive up to New York City during a rainstorm and party with my action network crew in 95% humidity. I cannot wait to get up there and party with you guys.
0: Well, dude, listen, so we can tell everybody, yes, we are having our first New York-based happy hour since the pandemic. I'm recording this podcast from my home in Central Connecticut. As soon as it's over, I'm gonna jump on the train. I'm gonna be in the city. I'm gonna meet our friend Stucky for a drink. And then uh, he and I will mosey down and join everybody else. uh, For, and this is the first time so many people on our team Are meeting each other. Uh, You know, we've added probably 30 people, 35 people to the Action Network since July of last year. And a lot of those people are based in New York. And so many of them have never met each other. And I was just talking to this to my wife about this right before we came on. It'll be great to see everybody, but it also feels like I see you fuckers every day. Like I can't get off of Zoom. My entire day is Zoom. And so I am seeing everybody nonstop every second of the day. So I'm thoroughly excited to see people in 3D and give people like Mike Leboff, who will come on later. I won't be surprised by it this week. uh, A big hug. I'm excited to see you and Leboff hug. Um, But at the same time, I do feel like I see people maybe more than I ever have.
1: Yeah. No, I'm excited, man. And you never know. Like I know we can't talk about it, but I'm always looking for my Pam to be in the gym. So there's nothing like workplace romances, exactly what you hate. So I'm excited for happy hour.
0: Oh my God. Uh, can you- I not
1: say that in 2021? Are, are, are Jim and Pam dead in 2021?
0: No. That's the only reason
1: I joined a corporation. That's the only reason. I don't want a real job. I just want Listen, to meet my future wife.
0: You know what? You're a lovable guy. You're <laughs> a stand-up guy. You're one of my favorite people in the world. You're totally rich and you're really good with money. And you buy BMWs with bags of cash, and you trade crypto in stacks of you know six figures. So that's why fun. wouldn't why wouldn't someone want to fall in love with you? I'm in love with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, they have to get used to three M wake up calls. You know what I mean? That's that's definitely part of the package. Vegas someone calls
0: sacrifice for love, Simon. That's, that's what it's true. all about.
1: That's true. So are it? we are we are we doing it? Are we diving in NBA now?
0: Is it because you don't want me to talk about your date tonight?
1: hundred percent. Moving it on.
0: All right. Well, we'll talk about it next week. Then you can we will. guarantee it. Let's bring in Chris Mannix. Chris, how are you, buddy? What's going on guys? Chris, for those who don't know, and I'm sure everybody does. Uh, he is an NBA expert. He is a boxing expert. He has been doing it year, for years and years for places like NBCSN in Boston, where he's covered the Celtics and hosted shows. He's done it for places like sports illustrated at the highest levels of expertise how did you do that, Chris? How did you become such an NBA expert?
2: Uh, man, like it dates back to my teenage years as a ball boy with the Celtics. And, you know, just being addicted to basketball really from age 15, working those locker rooms and getting to know players on a, on a different level then and, hope, you know, hopefully successfully translating it to, to professional work. So it, it's been uh, decades long, this, uh, this NBA ride.
0: When were you a ball boy for the Celtics?
2: During the very, very lean years of like 95 to when I graduated from college in 2003. So I crossed paths with the immortal ML Carr. I was fully immersed in the Rick Pitino years there and actually ended on a high note when the Antoine Walker, Paul Pierce Celtics uh, made a run at the conference finals back in 02. Uh, that was uh, that was at least uh, a fun team and a successful team to be around. But uh, saw a lot of bad teams, uh, a lot of uh, players that didn't make it uh, too far in the NBA. Brett Zabo, one of my all time favorites, wore goggles you know, the one years with the Celtics. So I they, they had some they, they were they were in, they were one of the original tankers back in those days. Uh, Boston was.
0: Were you a ball boy when Chris Heron had his run with the Celtics?
2: I forget. I've known Chris for a while. I'm forgetting if we crossed paths. I think we did because I think he was late 90s, early 2000s. Maybe it was for a year or two, but I've known Chris and his family for, for a number of years, Um, you know, lives as I live in the Boston area. He lives, still lives right down the street really from, uh, from me. Uh, I don't know if, I didn't know him well, in those years, but, uh, as, uh, kind of his life and career progressed, we got to know each other.
0: Do ball boys get tips at the end of the season? Do ball boys get cash? tips? So
2: the, the way it worked, um, see, I, I kind of worked the system early because I know the visiting locker room was where you got all the money. Um, you made money working the, you made like $50 a game working on the home side and working underneath the basket, but if you're in the visiting locker room you got tipped out basically $100 a night, plus whatever players were willing to give you for doing different things. So I would go across the street to the fours in Boston to buy food. I would go up Causeway Street with a hand truck to buy booze. And whenever asked, I would go into the crowd to get women's phone numbers. So, you know, I was, look, I'm in college at that point. You know, a few hundred bucks could last me three weeks. So I was uh, ready, willing, and able to do whatever, guys wanted me to do
0: i mean look i gotta ask what how do you when you go into the stands to ask for a woman's number for a player or a guy's number for that matter for a player what is your line
2: it really wasn't so much a line as it's, it's like uh, hey you know player x down there wanted me to grab your phone number and i mean look more often than not it was a actually it was a yes more often than not I, I feel like they didn't have too many turns now. there was a guy named i forgot how many years he played lee naylon was his name and i just remember that this experience because there was one game he came to and like he kept sending me to the crowd for women's phone numbers they kept saying no so like he'd pick one out i would go up you know ask and they'd say no then i'd uh go back up for another one and they'd say no and i think it was like three <laughs> or four times in one game i, I went up there and uh, asked for phone numbers. It didn't, uh, that night uh, didn't work out for Lee Nalon.
0: Oh my God. That's, I remember Lee Nalon. Yeah. I totally remember Lee Nalon. Um, well, I can't imagine Paul Pierce ever did that because he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who'd hang out in those circles, who post about those things on Instagram in any way. He probably kept it pretty close and focused on the game at hand.
2: Hey, well, I mean, I give Paul. Paul was one, like, not some guys in the NBA can't party and you know show up and be at the highest level in the next game some guys some guys can do it some guys can't Paul Pierce could do it like he, he didn't <laughs> skip a beat like he didn't skip a beat when when he went out and and I didn't spend you I know mean, I, I was it was very early in my uh it was my last days were Paul's kind of first days in Boston but um you know his I'll give him this man his his dedication to the game, like it. You know, maybe he went out and he did go out and he enjoyed the city but he was committed man to, to every practice every game like he was hardcore when it came to that some guys some guys they just don't it's like in life right like some people bounce back from nights out better than others I never bounced back well I was even in college I had one night in a weekend that was it some guys can do five in a row uh, you know Gary Payton could do five in a row Iverson could do five in a row um, some guys can't Paul Pierce um, you know, I never once saw Paul Pierce anything but 100% when he was out there on the court. And that's not, not the same you could say for everybody.
0: I am so nervous about going to the city tonight and then having to go out again tomorrow night and then having to go out again Thursday night. I cannot even tell you. There's no way after a year and a half of quarantine, I am equipped for three nights in a row in New York. Uh, I want Simon to ask the first question because I know right now he is thinking about his very own Philadelphia 76ers.
1: you know me so well. So I I should be honest, Chris. I am heavily invested money-wise in the Sixers. I made the fatal mistake. I knew it, too. I mean, we can roll the tape. I literally said that Giannis was going to tank because Giannis is Lamar Jackson of the uh, NBA. He just cannot play in the playoffs. And I said, Embiid's going to get hurt, and this bet's going to be worth nothing. And as soon as he hit the ground, I said, oh, my God, all my money just lit on fire. But he's back. He's playing. He looked – Not himself, but he played in that game. So is it stupid of me to keep betting them? They're at plus 500 now to win the East. Is that a dumb bet in your opinion? I don't think that's a dumb bet.
2: Um, You know, the first half was a disaster for Philadelphia in game one, but they played much better in the second half. And I don't think there's any reason to believe they can't get back into this series. And if they win this series, they certainly have the defensive firepower to take out Brooklyn in that next round. Um, You know, the Hawks keep impressing me, and that's the problem. It's like, you know, they're clearly not. You know, they get through that first round series, and more attention I think was paid to the Knicks being limited than the Hawks being really good. When the reality is, if you go back to the first month and a half of the season where the Hawks were were not good, and they fired Lloyd Pierce. A lot of that had to do with injuries. Like they're without Bogdanovic for that time. They're without DeAndre Hunter. Um, you know, four or five other guys were nicked up during that stretch, and then. You know, Nate McMillan deserves a lot of credit for what he did to turn them around. But, you know, the injury report getting a lot smaller deserves just as much at that point. So you can make an argument the Hawks, you know, without that first month or so of all those injuries are, you know, would have been second or third in the Eastern Conference. So they're really, really good. They're better than the five seed going into the series. Uh, All that being said, I mean, the one I saw from Philadelphia in the second half of that game, if they can carry that over into game two, I still think they're they're a decent bet to win the series.
1: Yeah, because it is interesting. The value, um, like you just talked about Atlanta, it's only they're only minus one twenty right now for the series. So mm-hmm. it is interesting when the bookmakers aren't trusting them either. They're saying, you know what, the Sixers did look good in that second half. Let's just make it a coin flip and see what the public does. And the public is the exact same way; they don't know which side to bet. So it feels I, like we're, we're
2: it feels like we're kind of attributing like we're, we're tacking on the past to the current version of the Hawks, like the Hawks from five six years ago like proved over a series of playoff series that they were not a great postseason team. Like they were built for the regular season, right? The Al Horford, Kent Bays, like that, that group, that group Paul Millsap was a team that could win you 60 regular season games, but they get to the playoffs and they're really limited. I think people are kind of attaching that stigma to this Hawks team. Well, this Hawks team is a lot different, most notably, they've got a go-to score in the fourth quarter in Trey young, like that's, the biggest difference in those teams and they're backstopped by bigs that are really good in Capella and John Collins. They've got good three point shooters like Kevin Herter looks like he was plucked out of the Y, but he's like a stone cold three point shooter. We was fearless in those moments. So, you know, underestimate the Hawks at at your own risk here, because that that, while they're a young team and experienced team, they are really, really good team, especially at the skill positions.
0: It's funny. You say that about Kevin Herter, my kid and I, my 14 year old and I, who we watched, literally almost every NBA game. We will always say about a certain player, we usually say it about Denzel Valentine on the Bulls. Denzel Valentine walks into a YMCA in Albany, New York. Nobody thinks, oh, this guy plays in the NBA. And then he just gets out there with the greatest old man game in the world and is dominating. And Kevin Herter is that exact replica. like he, You're not going to see Kevin Herter. He'll be a tall guy. You'll think, oh, maybe this guy played in college. You won't think, oh, he's devastating, can make the perfect outlet pass when your team needs the outlet pass and can hit the three-pointer. I do want to do one thing. I want to stick with the East for one second because the Sixers are, I believe, are a great buy at plus 500. I am astonished. As we record this, the Bucks are down 0-2 to the Nets. I thought last night I was all in on every element of the Bucks. Our friend Colin Cowherd, our boss at the Volume Network, said that he liked the Bucks to win the series. And the other day I said to him, that's great, wait until game two because they're going to lose game one. And so you'll get an advantage in the price for the series in game two. I thought last night, I like the over 236 and a half. I liked Giannis over 33 and a half points. I liked Giannis over 5.9 assists. I liked the Bucks to win that game. The sharp money was on the Bucks. That line opened Bucks plus 2, it closed Bucks minus 1. Like we were all bamboozled out of that. game. So now how do I read this? Like like the, are the Bucks done?
2: Yeah. Like they're <laughs> like they're not. They're not winning four out of five against this Nets team. That's for sure. That's, Uh
0: I mean, that's a, it, it, there are optimists among us who would bet the Bucs to win the series and think, oh, yeah, they can still come back and win this thing. And then you put it in very stark relief. Can they win four out of five games?
2: I mean, that, yeah, I was shocked the Clippers were able to do it in the first round against Dallas, but that was Dallas, which is effectively Luka Doncic and a bunch of other guys. Um, this is not. This is Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Blake Griffin's found the fountain of youth out there in uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, who knows? Harden maybe eventually comes back before the end of the series, but I, you know, Milwaukee can't match that offensive firepower. And you can see a stark contrast between what Durant can do and what Giannis can do. Giannis can still dominate the game in specific ways, but offensively, he just can't take it over. And if Middleton's not making shots, if Drew Holiday's not making shots, like the Nets, like their defici- defensive effic- deficiencies are real, but they can put runs on, not, not like eight-point runs, like multiple 16- to 20-point runs that just blow games wide open like they did last night. So I, I have a hard time seeing this Bucks team being able to keep up with Brooklyn. They might get a game. I mean, going home, there'll be a lot of energy. The arena will be full, and Milwaukee, as I, I've – I've written this many times because of their bubble experience. Like they are a much different team when they play at home. But the idea that they can take four out of five against this Brooklyn team with this firepower, it just seems incredibly far-fetched.
1: And it's interesting listening to you talk about the Nets where I'm looking at the odds right now. And I got lucky. Shout out to one of our fans, a guy named Chris. He hit me up early in the year about Phoenix. And his whole theory was a Chris Paul effect. He said, Chris Paul just gets teams into the playoffs. You should take the value. I didn't listen to him. I think they were fifty to one, and then they dropped to thirty to one. He hit me up again. He said, "Have you bet this yet?" I said, "All right, I bet it." I sent him a photo. I said, "Leave me alone. I bet it. I'm with you, man." So sure enough, this kid's been hitting me up every time they win now in the playoffs, and he's just going crazy. And I'm trying to calm him down. Where I feel like in the playoffs, the NBA, we know what's going to happen. Like we know, we knew Giannis was going to choke. We knew that the Sixers were someone was going to get hurt on the Sixers. It always happens. And we know that Chris Paul is going to get hurt in the Western Conference Final. It's already let. It's we know it's going to happen. He's going to win this this series against Denver, and then he's going to get hurt against the Clippers. A- am I crazy not to hedge right now in the Clippers? Should I take the number because the Clippers right now are plus four eighty uh, on Fanduel to win it all? Is that good value right now?
2: No, I, I'm not. I'm just not. I'm not buying the Clippers at this point. I I can't do it. Like. They dug deep and showed the kind of fortitude I didn't think they had to beat Dallas. But would they have won that series if Luca didn't get hurt in that game four or game three and then was affected by it all through game four? I don't know. Would they have gotten hurt if Porzingis wasn't awful? For I mean, would they have won if Porzingis was awful in that series like that? Dallas is different than than Utah. Like, I'm a big believer in Utah. Like, I'm not here for, like, the Jazz are too inexperienced. Donovan Mitchell's not that guy. One of the most aggravating arguments I hear is that Mitchell can't, and Shaq made this argument, like, Mitchell can't lead a team, you know, on a deep playoff run to a championship. Okay, when was he supposed to do that? Like, in what in his history, what, what series, what team he was on was a championship-quality team? Was it last year? No, Bogdanovich was out. Uh, Mike Conley played half that series. So that wasn't it. Was it the two previous years when he was a rookie and a second year guy, you know, on a team that just lost Gordon Hayward? This is the first time Donovan Mitchell has had a championship caliber team around him. And the Mike Conley injury worries me. Anytime it's a hamstring, it worries me. But like Joe Ingles isn't a fluke. Jordan Clarkson is sixth man is not a fluke. Rudy Gobert for a while in my mind was in the MVP mix. Uh, Their chemistry is great after being a complete mess in March of last year, like I'm, I'm a believer in Utah and yeah, look, this is a prove it kind of series against two top guys in Kawhi and Paul George, but I I'm just, you know, the Clippers didn't show me enough to make me believe that they have turned this proverbial corner. And, you know, this is, this will be the first Clipper franchise in 50 years to make it to a conference finals. I, I don't, I'm just not buying that yet.
0: It's so interesting because the jazz are a case study for nobody being interested in them. Everybody looking for alternatives. The East is different. Like you got the nets, the bucks, the Sixers, like they've been trading back and forth all year. And so everyone can have an opinion. It can be a third, a third, a third. The jazz have been the best team in the NBA all season long. They have not wavered from that. Every other team has struggled. Every other team has shown weaknesses The Suns made a run, but the Jazz held them off. And they've basically been the best team in the NBA the entire season. The odds on them, about plus 140 to win the NBA title, to win the Western Conference. I mean, Um, nobody wants the Jazz. So my challenge to you, Chris Mannix, NBA expert, you are loving the Jazz. That said, the value on the Jazz is not that great. So Hmm. do you put your money on the Jazz because you think – that's the team that is going to be the toughest to beat? Or do you make a value play on somebody else because the odds, the value on somebody else might be better.
2: Look, you can make a value play on the Clippers for sure. I mean, I mean, Kawhi kind of showed that when he is able to take over a series, he can not win it by himself in the same way LeBron has been able to win by himself. But on that next level, like what I'm seeing or what I saw from Kawhi, in that first round was the same stuff I saw in 2019 when he led the Raptors to a championship, the same stuff I saw in 2014 when he was the leader of that, that Spurs team. Like, he can dominate on both ends of the floor. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Clippers are a pretty good value because in any series in the Western Conference moving forward, they're going to have an argument to having at least two of the three best players on the floor in Kawhi and PG. And as we've seen in the playoffs in the past, stars matter. Like, you know, the ability of of big time players to step up and, and make plays is, is a real thing. So yeah, the Clippers, I think are a high value play. I just, I I just can't, I, it's like, fool me once, shame on me, Uh, you know, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. It's like the Clippers, we've seen this, we saw it last year and the Clippers aren't responsible for previous incarnations of their team, but you know, the 2015 Lob City Clippers didn't get very far. I, I just, I, I need to see more resolve from the Clippers before I believe that they're a true, you know, conference championship contender. And it's I interesting,
1: know, like we're talking about how everything's going these playoffs. And right now you can find really good value on FanDuel, on the MVP of the finals. So if you have a team that you're really thinking right now and you really like them to make it all, Like right now we're talking about the Suns being one of these teams that could make it uh, potentially Chris Paul uh, for him to get MVP right now in uh, the NBA finals, it's 40 to one. So I feel like that's pretty good value if you're looking at the Suns because their, their odds have shot way up. They're only, you know, Plus a thousand to win the NBA championship. I feel like if they're going to win it all, it's going to be because of Chris Paul. He just seems like he's facilitating that whole team. Do you, do you like that like, value? Though,
2: I, I feel like though, like if the Suns win, like Devin Booker will be finals MVP. And like, but everybody was saying it's like Chris Paul got him there. Like Chris Paul's numbers won't be right. high enough to to overcome Booker for finals MVP because Booker will average like 30 plus in a, in a championship series. But like Chris Paul will get the lion's share of the credit for. You know, gluing this team together and making them into uh, a venerable playoff team. Meanwhile, the numbers that Booker will put up will just be overwhelmingly big. So I, I, it's it's not a bad bet. It's just that I, I feel like you know, Chris Paul is being set up to being like the missing link, and missing links get a lot of credit, but they don't often win uh, hardware.
1: Yeah, I actually made this bet earlier in the year, and the odds are still good in my opinion. James Harden's plus nine hundred to be the NBA Finals MVP. And I could just see Kyrie and Durant just getting him that award. Like mm. they are they would like not play with their food, but I could see them doing something like that in the finals where they're just dominating whatever team they're playing. So they're just going to let Harden chuck up a lot of threes and he could easily get that award. You think there's still good value there? I mean, plus 900, that's not terrible because we all think the Nets are probably going to be in the NBA finals at this point.
2: I mean, just, but just watching Durant play and like the effortlessness with which he's playing, like he may elect to... Say, all right, we're gonna try to get James the finals. What we've seen in what we've seen from Durant in previous finals, the two healthy ones that he played in, he was just dominant from start. Yeah, to he's the, unreal. The the what was the series that went five games of 2017 or I forget I think it was 2017 that with five games with Cleveland? It was the most competitive five-game series I've ever seen because it, it only swung because Durant played out of his mind and made ridiculous shots to help, you know, beat uh beat back LeBron and Cleveland. I, I have a feeling. I'm not, at this point, I'm not sure a final series will be all that close because the firepower in Brooklyn is, is just astonishing, and I'm not sure how any of the teams in the West would be able to keep up with him. But I can see Durant having another 30-point-per-game type of series. He's just clicking so well offensively right now. Now, Harden, Harden can jump into that mix because he's going to put up like 28, 14, and like 7, and that'll put him in the conversation. But ultimately, I'd lean towards Durant because the scoring numbers are just going to be astonishing.
0: All right, so I feel like I know which way you're leaning for our last question. Give me your finals matchup and your team that wins it all. Yeah, I'm leaning
2: pretty hard towards Brooklyn to get to the finals in the Eastern Conference. Like uh, their defense has been a little bit better than it was during the regular season when it was 23rd in the NBA. We mentioned Blake, like he's pretty comfortable, you know, playing that five spot. Bruce Brown, pride of Dorchester, he's playing well uh, for this team. And that's, you know, these, these things always happen. Like you get these, um, this is where you got to hit on these guys, like the Bruce Browns, the second round picks, the guys that can make plays. That's the, what gets you over the line for a championship. So I like Brooklyn against any of the three teams remaining in the Eastern conference. West is, is tough, man. Like I'm going to lean towards Utah to come out of the West. Some believed in them all season long. And I'm a big believer that Donovan Mitchell is ready to take his game to the next level. I'm a big believer that Rudy Gobert is going to be such a presence. Like Kawhi got to the basket so many times in that Dallas series. Dallas played like a two-three zone for much of it. Like Boban Bogdanovic or Bogdanovic, he like he resembles Rudy Gobert physically, like height wise but he's not even close to what Rudy can do on the defensive end of the floor. So I like Utah to get out of the West, but then to get perhaps steamrolled by you know the Nets' offense in the finals.
0: All right, there you have it. The newest member of the Volume Network family, Mr. Chris Mannix, brand new podcast, debuting on the Volume, NBA expert, boxing expert. He proved it today, how much he's learned about the NBA starting his career as a ball boy for the Celtics. Chris, thanks for coming on, buddy. My pleasure, guys. Talk to you later. Thanks, Chris. Got it. All right, now we got to bring in Action Network's hockey genius, resident Islander fan, a man celebrating because the Islanders are on the verge of knocking out the hated Boston Bruins. Also our soccer boss. So we're super excited about the Euros starting this week. Appropriately dressed for those who will watch a video, Islanders jersey, Islanders old school hat. Simon Hunter's favorite person. They'll meet tonight for the first time at the Action Network happy hour. They'll hug. I'll take a picture of it. I'll put it on the Twitter. Reboff, we didn't make you wait. We didn't make you wait. Listen to a lot of NBA chatter.
3: Yeah, actually, I appreciate that. I consider myself a pretty punctual person, but I always want to be rewarded for that punctuality. And uh, this time I was. You guys are getting better at this uh, every week now. I get all these Twitter people saying like, hey, can you please provide some juice to this podcast? These guys are talking about the Tennessee Titans win total. It's been on (laughs) on flag day. Can we please, can we move it along to something more important? All right, well, give us your take on on something
0: Um, important right now. The Islanders lead 3-2. The Canadians uh, whitewash the Winnipeg Jets. The Vegas Golden Knights and Colorado is, uh, what is that, tied at two. Yep. And uh, Tampa Bay leads Carolina 3-1 in the series. Those two are playing tonight. tonight. What do you well, got? Give me your take.
3: Well, I mean, just on the Islanders, um, I'm like physically sick from last night's game. I don't know if I've ever.
0: Huge win. These it games was... are nail biters. They are yeah. They are sickening. They were,
3: you know, up 5-2 in the third and. Boston cuts it to five, four with, you know, an eternity left six minutes. And uh, my wife is a Bruins fan. And we kept saying like, there's no way they're going to tie this game. And obviously I thought else, you know, the, the opposite. And at the, uh, at the end of the game, like I just kind of, my body collapsed and stuff. And I took the, my dog for a walk and just had a, like a real breakdown by uh, there's a canal around the block and just thought about, you know, it's not going to get better than that. So maybe just walking into the canal and never returning, um, being one with like a Greenland shark or something from, from that's a callback to last week's episode. For Oh, I two. get it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Could be the uh, alien. I used yeah. it, by the way. I used your line when I recorded on Colin's podcast on Friday, and I gave a very strong take on why aliens exist and why they could be anything, including a shark. And it turns out Carl Sagan, probably the foremost scientist of our time, Believed in extraterrestrial life.
3: That's great to hear. But yeah, I mean, it, it's been a it's been a roller coaster of a series. I was at um, game three and four. Islanders lose game three in a game they played really well. It was raining outside after the game, and uh, I drive a 2004 Chevy Suburban right now, and the lights don't work on the inside. And my friend was at the game with me, sat elsewhere, and uh, beat me to the car. And I've been bringing pizza to the, to the games for like the tailgate. I'll just bring a big box of pizza. and Uh, I come into the car, I see him, he's sitting alone in the dark, it's pouring rain. Um, and I open the door and I expected him to be like, fuck that sucked, whatever. But I open the door and he just goes, I had another slice of pizza. It was still delicious. And from that moment on, like I felt a little bit relieved and thought, all right, there's no way they're going to lose game four. So they win game four in one of the craziest atmospheres I've ever seen. I mean, I don't, I keep inviting you to the games, Chad, um, and I, you keep turning me down and
0: uh, people were bleeding from the head. Inviting is a strong word. You mention I should come, but then you don't follow up with specifics.
3: You don't need specifics. It's the Coliseum. It's like going to the zoo. You just kind of show up and you're going to get in. I used to sneak into games all the time. I had a friend who snuck into game four. I mean, with COVID and all that stuff, that's got to be pretty tough to do. But he did it because it's the Coliseum. And um, somebody was bleeding from their head after getting hit with a beer bottle. I saw um, which that is def- picture. That's definitely not your speed, right? Like. Midge Maisel was there like that's more your speed you're much more of a Midge Maisel show up probably leave in the second period kind of kind of fan and uh just get your wave on the Jumbotron so she was do like
0: to be escorted
3: I mean that was one of the craziest uh, atmospheres I've ever been to they win and then win again and um I just keep having this thought that like I don't understand how anybody wins the Stanley Cup both fans and players because it's just so so goddamn exhausting like I'm so tired I don't want it to end, obviously, but at the same time, like I don't want it to continue. I kind of hope they just cancel the rest of the playoffs or something <laughs> because I'm just so tired. Well, but there's still to, money to
1: be made. As a uh, Flyers fan, that team kept going to the Stanley Cup Finals and losing. You don't know what suffering is yet, buddy. So you got a long road ahead against you. I was just going to ask you, I don't want to jinx you guys, but I would love to know what your view is of the Lightning, like how you view you guys matching up with them and like what, what is the difference for each team.
3: Yeah. So, so, I mean, the Islanders, um, they're very disciplined, especially defensively. They were one of the least penalized teams in the, in the league. The Bruins coach actually yesterday or this morning, got fined $25,000 for criticizing the officials, uh, from last night's game saying that they're treating the Islanders like the New York saints, right? The New York Islanders. And, uh, New York saints actually are a defunct lacrosse team that played at Nassau Coliseum. So if he knew that, that kudos to Bruce Cassidy, he's a handsome dude too. So we like him, but, um, he, uh, but then Barry Trotz was like, "We were one of the least penalized teams in the uh, in the league for all season." So I don't know what he's talking about, and that's really important against the Lightning, who have just been cl- clicking at an absurd rate on the power play. Look, the Islanders and Lightning haven't played each other yet this season because of the intra divisional schedule. But the Tampa Bay's division, that much more open uh, style of play. They Florida and Carolina games have been high scoring. Like you're just not going to run into that with the Islanders. It's going to be much more of a slog, and that's why I think that you know they 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 do stand a chance both against the lightning and if they go further against you know Vegas or Colorado or even Montreal like this is a team that is uh, able to turn games into coin flips and the betting market continues to disrespect them so if you turn games into coin flips and you got a plus number next to you you're you're always going to take that
0: Lebov when you were standing next to the canal and contemplating how you could go on uh, I need I need to check on like what you were doing physically were you quiet were you tearing up where were you feeling it give me some details
3: yeah. yeah no I was tearing up I was walking my dog which was the saving grace right like he does he doesn't deserve that so <laughs> I didn't he I brought Elvis back home safe and sound but you know like it was like more of like a catcher's uh squat collapse like where I just you know started losing you know what I was listening to was uh era- that song by Erasure a little respect because that's what I feel like the Islanders just don't get any respect so I was listening to that and having myself a cry by the by the water um it's it was somebody else's property too so if they came outside and saw that uh they're probably gonna be really confused but then i would just you know take my airpods out so they could hear the music and then maybe they would get it they're like oh this guy's just he's having an erasure moment
0: (laughs) he's just uh, were you wearing any islanders gear
3: i was i'm wearing exactly what i'm wearing right now which is my blue blue jersey my hat um yeah i was just walking the dog in in my in my garb because i honestly as soon as the game was over my wife went upstairs because she was sad that the bruins lost and i just walked outside with the dog and we didn't say a word um at all to each other and i think she kind of understood what i was feeling and i understood with less empathy what she was feeling and uh you know I, I was i was complaining to her this morning i'm like i just don't know how i can go on and she's like i'm about to go to work in the emergency room so you better shut the fuck up like, you're right <laughs> And I was like, well, I got to go to work too. I got to talk about like Turkey soccer team and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> this, is, this is not an easy job. Come on. You know what? N- North Macedonia, like there's a lot There's a lot going
0: on. Oh my God. Lebov, if you weren't sort of the degenerate Islanders fan that you are, can you look at any of these odds objectively and say, with the teams remaining, where do I put my money?
3: Yeah, I think the better way to do it is to – um, maybe looking like the player markets, which is like Conn Smythe, uh, because I think that there's some value on a couple guys on Vegas, Max Petri and um, uh, Jonathan March or so and and William Carlson are all at decent odds, so, like 20 to one or longer, close to that. And um, because I think at this point, like the the numbers are up pretty much in where they should be. If you want to attach your wagon to a team, probably buying low on the Bruins is is probably the best value on the board, or or if you want to like roll a parlay with the the hurricanes money lines for the, to win the next three games against um, the lightning, because there'll be value on each game. uh, I think Uh, that's how I would do it. But, you know, I would, I would just wait for that. Maybe if, if you know, Vegas loses tonight, maybe betting them um, to either win the series or, or to to win the Stanley cup could also provide some value. And the, the the other thing is like, I wouldn't bet the Canadians because that number I think they're like, you know, under in single digits. Like as soon as that matchup gets set, their their numbers going to tick up, and uh, they they're going to be huge underdogs in that series. So I would just wait for that one to settle before getting involved there. But that's a that's a hell of a team. That's been a fun one to watch. That was an incredible fan base too, the Canadians fans.
0: Simon, any final thoughts from Leboff before we all get to see each other and have a big group hug later tonight?
1: Yeah, leave off. I'm. Uh, I told Chad already. I'm looking for my Pam. I'm trying to be Jim. Is that you tonight? Will you be my Pam?
3: I, I don't know. I I, I don't think so. I don't think so. But yeah, I would just I would caution you. You know, you know, you don't want to. HR will be watching. HR will probably be there. We want to make sure that everyone has a has a good time. But we'll find you a Pam. See,
1: I'm going for we have married people in HR, so I'm, that's who I'm going after. I feel like that's really what you want to do, right?
3: Yeah, you just want to completely wreck a home. Yes. That's, that's exactly what you want to do. Yes. That's just like Jim, I guess. Like Jim kind of wrecked a home, right?
1: Exactly, Jim's a home wrecker. Yeah, he
3: wrecked the guy who uh, was in Mayor of Easttown as the the Frank and Mayor of Easttown. What a speaking of Philly. Wait. Yeah. Wait. Yes.
0: Are you kidding me? No, I didn't even recognize that dude.
3: Yeah. That's Kate uh, Winslet's ex-mayor's ex-husband in mayor of Easttown is. Uh, is the guy
0: Pam dumped? Yeah,
3: yeah. Roy. Wow. He must, he's like typecast into Pennsylvania, I guess. Right. You know, yeah. Scranton guy in one show. Now he's, you know, some Philly trash in the next one.
0: I already miss murder Durder. Like I can't, <laughs> I'm so sad that shows not on, but I keep watching the clip anyways.
3: It's an, yeah, It was a lot of fun. Just listening to those people talk.
0: It was the best. It was totally the best. You know what else is the best? Leboff in his Islanders gear, listening to Erasure, having a moment by a canal on somebody else's property, taking a knee, full on tears, contemplating if he's going to jump into the canal. And the only thing keeping him from doing it is that he's going to get his dog back home because his dog doesn't deserve that kind of fate.
3: That's Right. After, <laughs> after a win, too.
0: That's after a win. That tells you everything about Mike Lieboff, Mike Lieboff's perspective, and Mike Lieboff as a better. The, the angst of winning is almost too much to bear. Like the, the pain of losing is actually easier to manage than the angst of winning.
3: Yeah, because it's easier to feel bad for yourself if you lose. It's a lot harder to do it after you win.
0: <laughs> Words to live by for all future gamblers. Mike Leboff, we will see you later tonight. Simon Hunter, I will see you later tonight after your date in which you are going to try to find true love and happiness and your quest will continue. Uh, This has been the Favorites Podcast from the Volume Network. Download us from Apple, from Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back on Thursday with the Thunderdome Edition. Until next time, love you.